Welcome along to episode 20 of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and I am joined as usual by Brian and Kevin. Each week we take some of the endless stream of content delivered to us through Netflix, Amazon, Disney+, Hulu, YouTube, Spotify. Wherever you get your content, we're going to grab a chunk of it, we're going to watch it, and we're going to talk about it. Given the nature of these conversations, they are very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't seen what we're talking about, it's probably worth going off and watching it before you come back and listen to the podcast. This week we talk about a lot of trailers, we talk about a lot of upcoming movie and sort of celebrity news. In terms of main event, we watched the movie Lady Hawk. This is a 1985 medieval fantasy from Richard Donner, starring Rutger Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Matthew Broderick. The statute of limitations on spoilers on this thing is well and truly up at 36 years old, so I think you're pretty Pretty much safe to jump in and listen to it this week. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast and heading over to Instagram and giving us a follow. We are at the Endless Cast on Instagram. We do sketches and video clips and interact with our audience as best we can over there. So it's a good way of getting a little extra engagement, extra content from us. If you'd like to suggest something for us to watch or listen to or have a comment on anything we've done to this point, you can reach us also at theendlesscast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's get into the episode. This week on the Endless Stream, did you all watch the trailer for Lamb from A24? Yes. Yes, um. That's Numi Rapace? Yes, um. Did it go where you expected it to go? Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, at one stage, I did think, technically, they did rob that child from his mother. And that mother has a right to be angry. It is kind of typical sort of A24 scary rural landscapey stuff slow slow droning music in the background and I don't know if you think this when this happens but whenever I don't hear dialogue for an extended period of time in a trailer I'm like oh this is going to be subtitled and they don't want to let people know that this isn't in English and sure enough oh, I didn't even notice there, there, there was a lot of like looking at each other and sort of mm. s- spooky ways what was the song that kicked in at a certain point I just watched that House of Gucci trailer, so all I can think of that song. Um, I have no idea. I don't know what I was expecting from this type of trailer. Like, the way it was setting it up was like, here is a herd of sheep that is intent on killing Numi Rapace and her, her, her husband or something. But, like, I did not expect it to turn into a half-human, half-sheep hybrid child that they're dressing up. But apparently Brian did. Do you think he fucked a sheep? Um, God only knows what I'd do without you. Uh, the is it the the Beach Boys? Beach Boys, yeah. Don't like the Beach Boys. Overrated. Yeah. Yeah. Not interested in the music at all. I don't know why I actually really dislike them. I don't know why. You really dislike them. I don't. I don't dislike them, but they're certainly overrated. That doesn't mean they're bad. You know, just means there's there's a point of mass saturation where. Too many people are saying it's great, it's great, it's great. Like the doors, it's the best thing ever. Yeah, and it doesn't mean it's not great. It's just the doors, well, are, no, the doors are bad. There was but everybody loves it, but, pe- but people think he's brilliant. The doors suck. Jim he did. He couldn't write a song sucks. to save his life. But uh, back to land. No, no, um, no, no. That that that's a um, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a valid topic of conversation as well. I was only saying this recently about somebody else, where I'm just like, if you die young but have had a good photographer around you for a while, yep. you know they can build your legacy, or an agent, or a promoter, or a production company that wants to can build your legacy around you know good good uh, photojournalism around you. Morrison was a good looking piece of shit, and. Yeah, I do remember somebody made a comment about like, you know, 
he looks good in a photograph but imagine being around a guy who hasn't washed in six weeks and hasn't taken off leather trousers in california heat for a month you know it's not even that though it's it's the it's the ego and the narcissism which the guy oozes <laughs> doesn't he just ooze narcissism though i i just never understood it and it's like also like you know what like just talking about overrated stuff bob dylan can't sing well, no, he can't sing, but he he doesn't really need to sing. Good old the man, the president, and we're people gonna stand up. That's about Dylan. Tighten up your Dylan. I'm not gonna. I'm not. No, I'm not gonna do that. No. Tighten up your Dylan. Squeeze your Dylan. Don't take your Dylan out in public. Um, Lamb, I don't know what's going on. Uh, where the child origins come from. It might be some sort of like, like I suppose if if. But you're interested. Oh yeah, I'll definitely. Did A twenty four release Midsummer? I, I would have thought so. Yes. Okay. And Hereditary. So when when they've got that lamb and the flower crown, like there's yeah. no way they don't know what they're doing there, right? Yeah. Oh, they know exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do I watch this movie? I'm definitely watching it. You have to watch Midsummer first. Oh. I watched Midsummer. That actually, now we're getting slightly to a, a planning stage, and this is a, a side topic altogether, right? It's we gotta watch Hereditary with you, Aiden. We gotta. We'll we'll watch it with you. We'll get you through it. Let's do a that. Live watch. Um, a it live is watch. July Let's now. I don't know what that means, and I'm also scared. Um, it's July now. Um, by the time this episode goes out, it will be August. That's the so future. we have, we have say seven weeks. What if is out next week, isn't it? But we we have seven weeks until we are recording a podcast that will be out in October. Hmm. What is our Halloween series of movies? Do we pick movies we haven't seen? Do we pick we Halloween horror classics? Watch Hereditary. Like if we've got four weeks worth of podcast, what are our horror movies? Maybe that's something we ask the audience. You could ask them. Uh, I'd like everybody to get Aiden to watch Hereditary, please. Uh, over on Instagram at, at the Endless Cast, maybe comment on a picture what you think we should watch going into October for our Halloween 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 month, uh, scare Aiden series. It's gonna be a whole month of it. Um, I so unsettled. At least one horror I mean, movie um, a week. Ghostbusters is kind of scary, right, guys? No. <laughs> Midsummer's not that bad. <laughs> As in, it's not scary. It's it's actually really not. Mm. Midsummer's not scary. It's upsetting in places. I'm just trying to I do I do think we should look for kind of like, obs- like I like digging into the history historical stuff as well. Like let's let's look for like obscure or older horror movies that either some of us or none of us have seen. No, let's keep it fresh um, and youthful. Or throw a couple of classics. Fresh and youthful. I like youth. I want to be. I want to be current. Jacob's Ladder would be a good one to check out, actually, if you haven't already. Oh, you guys are the worst. <laughs> but Aiden hasn't seen it. I just, I just, I just spent the last two hours watching 1985 Lady Hawk. The Endless Cast at Gmail If you have a suggestion for a Halloween horror movie or otherwise uh, that we should watch, um, going into October, Lamb. We've spent way too much time on Lamb, and at the same time, no time on Lamb. Weird looking movie. Didn't expect the child-sheep hybrid. Could be cute. It depends on how it works, but... Especially given 
uh, sexy beasts are half human animals hybrids just the zeitgeist now is that what we have to look forward to is this the age of furries don't forget sweet tooth and sweet tooth sweet has tooth. furry finally gone mainstream furry's always been mainstream it's particularly in the 80s and early 90s and then it kind of dipped and now it's back again because street sharks turtles you know all that kind of stuff was all my whole childhood was based on like half human half animal things animorphs being the pinnacle of it all and the sexiest of it all the sexiest of them all yes later we'll be talking about a woman that turns into a bird kevin kevin might be onto something all right the the other trailer then i well i watched king richard which is the new will smith biopic of richard williams the williams sister's father and the road to creating venus and serena williams as world tennis champs um i mean they, they cut together why isn't there a film about them? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. It does... Is this um, that stupid? Yeah. Yeah. Let's make a film and give the guy all the credit for their success. Yeah, it's awful. It's horrific. That kind of shit drives me mad. Yeah. Who who wrote, Who was remotely interested in making this movie? Who wants to see this movie? Potentially Venus and Serena Williams. Nah, did they even like their dad? Most, I think. Thing I imagine they've seen plenty of them. It, but is is he one of the like? What was <laughs> this? Is true, Brian. What's Michael Jackson's dad's name? Mister Mister Jackson to you. Joe Jackson, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like he he was the sort of um, allegedly abusive father that drove them towards success or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's the same that... of the Williams sisters. <laughs> Well, I think it's like Britney Spears, it's Britney Spears and stuff. I'm all, it's like I just associate some of these people with problematic parents that kind of push them too much and too hard and are selfish and stuff, you know. Mm. But given given where you, I, and Brian are now in our in our lives, uh, do you think we'd be happier if we had spent the last X amount of years becoming multi millionaire sports stars or something, and now people could just retire are to nothing? because of a lack of limiting beliefs. You don't need to push that hard, especially when it's, you know, pushing somebody else. People are successful because of their own lack of, of limiting beliefs in themselves. Yes. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're It's proven right. in sports psychology and any sort of performance psychology. Sure. It's one of the crucial factors is an environment where limiting beliefs aren't a thing. So, no, I don't think an overbearing... Uh, pushy parent is is a good thing yeah i know what you're saying I, I i look i don't know enough about the relationship with the father or how the father raised them to get them to that point i do know that you see superstars with parents that built a environment in which was entirely focused around their sport or their their goal or whatnot that they do you have seen success come out of that whether or not the the kids on the other end of it are kind of damaged um, I'm always skeptical of this type of film when the people they're making it about are still alive, you know. Especially when it's a like that. That looks very glowing about L. Richard. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like Will Smith. I like positive messages about young people achieving, which is what the trailer does seem to highlight. It doesn't highlight. Um. Why isn't it about their achievements? I would wager that the movie gets to the point where they're tennis, where, where they, they go pro. 
where they changed the name of the movie to be about the people that it should be about. I don't have answers for you. This this is it's. I don't I don't know Richard's just, challenges. It's just let's, more let's, of let's the see. same bullshit. Let let's see what Richard's challenges were. It's about were. time we we learned his contribution in making two of the greatest tennis players that ever lived because it's been so long and not enough talked about and it's time we finally know <laughs> the part he played in in their success now when the boycott this movie i i'm i'm not coming from the same place kev is coming no, yes brian so let's clear. boycott it <laughs> because boycott, there, like there does boycott. seem to be a like i'm only going off the trailer i don't know the truth of it but you know put it put it this way you are talking about sorry like he had to go and get them sorry can I finish coaches and stuff can I finish (laughs) put it this way can I finish can I finish (laughs) no seriously no I haven't heard of this man in the news in the last bloody like 10 years why the hell do we have a movie about him you always hear about the Venus uh, Williams sisters Venus Williams sisters Williams sisters one of them is called Venus Williams sisters I'm not tennis I don't know but uh, you're not tennis (laughs) you remember that I just make a reminding you guys, um, but I just see you see them in the news. Why do we have a movie about someone who it's like? It's like, do I want to watch a movie about Tom Brady's dad? No. Well, I don't know. What did Mister Brady do? Let's get let's get a movie about let's get a movie about his sports psychologist though because because that guy did something. Brady was nobody's pick until he started working with this sports psychologist whose name I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's kind of insane. Actually, if you look at where Brady was and where he is after working with this guy, let's make a movie about that. What happened there? What yeah, that sounds do? interesting. What did he do? He did so he probably told him, he, he probably said, hey, Brady, you know what, buddy? You he can. Did, he did brain. Food. So that's King Richard. You know it, was? It, was, it was the no limiting beliefs. Yeah. So mm-hmm. our beliefs are too limited at the moment, Brian. Yes. Is this, is this it? 100%. Okay. Yes, yes. 100%. 100%. So how do I unlimited my beliefs? I, I am, I'm interested in your messages. I'm, I'm, I'd am i like to learn more. Have you got any literature? Is there a pamphlet? I have some, I have some literature. There's a newsletter. It's uh, it's five bucks a month on my Patreon, though. Um, People have to send you five bucks. Five bucks. Uh, particular genres? Five notes. Five five clams. Yeah, just you get a belief. You gotta believe you can. I'm not a cult. All right, Poppy, calm down. And I'm not tennis. Yeah, cult. So <laughs> King Richard with Will Smith. The important thing to remember in the story about the Williams sisters is that Will Smith is a big famous movie star. Okay. House of Gucci. I missed this last week. We talked about Ridley Scott for a chunk last week and yeah I was I was listening to the podcast it didn't come out last week though oh no I was listening to the podcast and I was like you idiots you fools this is embarrassing I go you talk about Ridley Scott and you don't know what he's doing and he has this new movie coming out with a star studded cast amateurs Um, well we we do keep you around Kev because of your connections to fashion the trailer came out yesterday. Yes, Brian, I'm aware it came out yesterday. I was listening to the podcast yesterday. But we did. We were digging through his IMDb a bit and getting a sense of what he was doing, and I missed this. But yeah, you missed nothing. I think it looks good. I thought it looked good for all of five seconds until everybody started doing Italian accents, and I was like, this is "I was going just going to gonna get say old really fast." <laughs> I was just going to say Jared Leto. He's playing Lady Gaga. What's he doing? He's doing. He's doing Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder. 
I'm going to look like Jared Leto when I'm, as in Jared Leto in that makeup when I go bald and fat. That's, that's upsetting. I'm going to look like that. I can just tell. <laughs> well, you're none of those things uh, now. You, does your father look like that? You're, you? you're, not a, you're not a cult. Not a cult. I am not a cult. I'm not saying I look like Jared Leto. I'm saying I'm going to look like whatever he's, he's playing in the trailer. Like Jared Leto. He's trying to say I look like it. It's like, it's like when, not when a cult. girls say, oh, I really like this actress. She's great. And you're like, mm-hmm. And just like, what do you think of her? And it's like, yeah, she's cool. He's like, do you think she's pretty? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah she's pretty. And I'm like, they literally just some want you to say. Some people say I. Yeah. <laughs> some people think I look like her. Yeah. Any man with a beard and big eyebrows. I mean, that's. That's, that's you. Me. There you are. Yeah. The Fall with Gillian Anderson. That's me. I'm Gillian Anderson. You're Gillian Anderson. <laughs> I'm Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Well, you're not Jamie Dornan. Who's that? The other guy in The Fall. I didn't watch it. Okay. I normally don't watch stuff I'm in. I watched one season of it and got scared and stopped. Fair. Went but there's a guy in that, that apparently looks like me or my father. He's oh. got the eyebrows. Yeah. Looks exactly yeah. like him. <laughs> One 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 lady on a night out was convinced I was Colin Farrell, and uh, I found an empty bag and gave it to her, and she was chuffed that she got Colin Farrell's bag. I took a photograph with her. I didn't really want to. Does he want us to say that he looks a bit like Colin Farrell? Or <laughs> he totally does. Do? Yeah, you do look I, a bit like Colin Farrell. You know, you've got the eyes. The eyebrows. You know? You've got the it's piercing. Just the eyebrows and, and the no, confidence. Stop. You know. Um, I do not have the confidence Colin Farrell Colin Farrell's notoriously insecure um, yeah <laughs> he really is oh so I'm exactly like Colin Farrell both in looks and personality yeah. I hear what you're exactly saying guys like <laughs> um, <laughs> just the brows the brows oh actually no wait till we talk about Lady Hawk I just remember something is it Alfred Molina it's Alfred Molina yes I didn't realise he was in it wow, yeah. <laughs> neither did I how did you know that <laughs> there's a weird like yeah. Like Alfred Molina kind of how oh, we're going to get, getting off here. Alfred Molina kind of wandered into like a kind of like suave European kind of guy as he went on a bit, you know. But his early roles, he is just like chaotic homeless person, you know, like yeah. Indiana Jones. He's and great, stuff. but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was agree with you. The, the the second the trailer started, I was like, good choice of music, looks good. Yeah. Gaga looks yep. good, and then everybody's doing Italian accents. It's like this is stupid. Lady Gaga is half Italian though, right? It's a me, yeah. I'm a talker like this. Is Adam Driver Italian? Bad. Hmm? No. Is Al Al Pacino Italian? I mean, yeah, you know. I think Italian-American is a better question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say... Oh wow, me and Aiden said um at the same time and I could reverberate in my um, ears. I have to cut these. Every I gotta stop doing it because every time I do Okay, every time you do it on I the cast, cut. I'm gonna do it to remind you that you're doing it to get you to stop doing it. You'll have to cut my That'd ones out too though. Me. That's the problem. <laughs> no <laughs> I actually will. Uh, uh, um What I thought about watching the House of Gucci trailer is what kind of period in filmmaking have we reached where the period movies that we're making are that sort of 80s early 90s thing because the eyes of Tammy Faye have that as well where Jessica Chastain is wearing the Jared Leto prosthetics to look chunky and weird and there's a there's a 90s aesthetic that seems to be popping up in some movies at the moment and I don't like it I'd rather it didn't I think it's a hyper stylized you know, version of, of it you know? 
but it's a hyper stylized version of it. It's like when you watch stuff like from the like based in the eighties. It's just like not every person in the eighties was going around with like full face of makeup and. But the eighties like, were only fifteen years ago, right? Right. They, they, they were, were ten years. They were ago. thirty were 10, guys. Ten, ten years, years ago. ago. I'm only ten years 30 old. Thirty years ago. No, the eighties were forty years ago. But, you know. you're, you're both almost dead. <laughs> they were forty years ago. Well, no, technically they started forty years ago, but they ended yeah. thirty years ago. Please. That was over. That's maths. I'm so old. I'm still the youngest of everybody. Happy birthday, Aiden. Happy birthday, Brian. It was your birthday this week. What happened nine months ago? Ten. T- t- thir- it was cold. Thirty odd years ago. Oh yeah. Okay. Fair. Someone forgot to turn on the central heating. Central heating in the eighties. Someone's wasn't a thing. Someone's parent finished a book. <clears throat> All you had was a shell suit and a. Board Namona briquette and hope for a mild winter. I was watching that. I was watching that trailer. <laughs> I was watching that trailer, and I, you know, I was kind of into it. And then it just kind of. Then I realized it was that was Jared Leto, and I was a little bit like, "It's a bit weird, isn't it? Is is some of this stuff they're going to look back into? They're going to look back at the stuff in the future and be like, why was why were there so many like non-Italian people doing Italian accents and stuff?" We're already thinking that, I think. Yeah. Meet, meet Joe Black. People should watch that. It's weird that, like, you know, they make something like, let's say, like, it, it's weird where they draw the line with this stuff and the logic. It's like, nobody's doing Italian accents in Gladiator. Nobody's doing mm-hmm. Itali- or French accents in Les Mis, I don't think. You know, but it's like, but you, we got to do it for this. <laughs> I guess the difference is playing real people. Like I did, I did Google this story, and it's another one where it's like this was 1997, and I don't remember, I don't remember this. But I guess I wasn't into Milanese fashion in 1997. But the allegation is she killed her husband. Well, she served 18 years in prison. She served how many years in prison? 18 years in prison, I think, off the back of it. Very weird story. Didn't Versace get? Assassinated or something as well. Yeah, on the steps of somewhere in the nineties. On, on the steps of a hotel or something was it? Or that was, it, it was outside his house, I think. What was going on with um, fashion designers in the nineties that people were trying to off them? Money, power, drugs, <sighs> trafficking. It's interesting with Jared Leto that like maybe it's just me not being interested, but I don't know enough. I don't know. Let me rephrase. Not that I don't know enough. I don't know anything about him as a person. And I don't want to. And then he pops up in movies and they're kind of like odd. And I'm like, I don't... I'm, I'm grand with whatever the fuck he does because I don't know anything about him. Like, So by comparison, I don't know if I mentioned that I watched the Amazon original Jolt this week with Kate Beckinsale. And recently I have seen a bunch of her like Instagram content where she's just like faffing about in her kitchen with her cat. And is such a goofy idiot that for her then to be playing this like hardened bouncer super powered monster I'm like this is is it a good movie? this is kind of hard this is kind of hard to believe now is it a good movie? because I know more about her than I did before it is not a good movie everybody tried really hard Jolt and I'm, I'm changing the subject Jolt is an Amazon original about a woman who has a um, impulse disorder high levels of cortisol flowing through her system that she snaps and attacks anything that goes on the high levels of um, uh, aggressive hormones in her body make her faster and stronger than other people 
and the only way she can control her impulses and stop hurting people is she wears a vest that initiates a, an electric shock whenever she starts to feel a, a twinge coming on. Uh, the electric vest was given to her by Stanley Tucci and he gets to oh. be all Tucci-ish. An electric vest would not make me less stressed. Mm. It's like um, a shock cutter for a, a dog. She carries around and she goes... <laughs> yeah, basically it shocks her out of wanting to go and... I think um, that as Bobby Cannavale says at one point in it, she'd rather hurt herself than hurt somebody else. Oh. And it's got Jai Courtney in it. And it's got uh, uh, Filch from Harry Potter, that guy, as as a big bad guy. Oh, God, I wanted to like it. Like, there's everybody's trying. And to be, to be fair, Kate Beckinsale can sell a punch. Like, she has been doing action movies long enough now that like when she's doing stunt work I kind of buy it like I do she's got good physicality and kinesthetics about her that she like throws her hip and shoulder into a punch she falls over well they do cut together with a stunt person um, effectively but you know when there's chase scenes or driving scenes the camera's way too close and that's to hide the fact that they've got no space they've got nowhere to go Every exterior shot is on the same backlot street from a slightly different angle. And there's a lot of her walking from place to place. And it's the same fucking street. And they like try and paint the back wall with graffiti every now and then. Then they try and have a car chase on the one street. It's actually worth looking at it to see how funny that is. Like, it's frustrating to watch it. Like, she they make a point of the car she steals to do the car chase and then there's a lot of driving back and forth on the same street and then it cuts to stock footage that they shot at second unit around a city somewhere it's a very weird movie um sounds very low budget don't watch it yeah don't, there's a there's a chase around a hospital and like i think it's kind of done as a single take thing at one point she runs into the maternity ward of the hospital and to avoid the police officer who has a gun to her, picks up a baby and oh. throws it across the room. Oh. Just throws the baby across the room and your one has to stop and catch it. And she runs to get out of the room, but doesn't run fast enough. So she has to pick up another baby and throw it across the room. She's throwing babies. Um, throwing babies. It's if you're gonna do something it's twice, a weird choice. Why didn't she why why didn't she not just do the classic grab a doctor and kiss them or a nurse? I think it's trying to channel like John Wick meets shoot 'em up kind <coughs> Sounds of. Sounds like crank thing. Yeah, there's a bit of that to it as well. It's Crank was wild. Very good movie. Crank, yeah. Skip Jolt, watch Crank. Would I watch it again? No. Susan Sarandon shows up at the end as if they're setting up a sequel. But Susan Sarandon has a remote control for her shock vest. I'm like, why does she have I that? I don't even want to talk um, about this anymore. <laughs> I mean, none of you seem to want to talk about it at all. I'm doing a lot of talk. Why won't you talk about Kate Beckinsale's career? I like Underworld, um, the first one. When was I good. paused it, the Amazon trivia said, Trivia, Kate Beckinsale has played both a vampire and a vampire hunter. Go away. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Have you watched anything this week, Brian? Um, I I don't mean stop. I mean literally go away. Okay. <laughs> Her dad was the guy in Porridge. He was. He was. I like Porridge. Porridge is good. Yeah. Yeah. He was a handsome, the good Ronnie. Handsome 
What's he the, was he not the skinnier handsome fella? Or is he the older guy? No, 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 no. He he was, but I'm just saying that had Ronnie Barker in it. Oh yes, the two Ronnies. Apparently they wouldn't let him write on the show, so he submitted scripts anonymously and wrote under a pseudonym or something. Um something weird going on there. Who was in Some Others Who Have Him? Was that uh, her dad as well? Frank Spencer. Frank Oh no, Frank Spencer. Frank he's Spencer. the Frampton of the opera. That's the character, isn't it? The f- character yeah. is Frank Spencer. Yeah, I can't remember the, the actor. Yeah, and he's the, he he was he played the Phantom yeah. of the Opera in the in the in the West End show. That's not her dad. Do you know what I just learned? The kid from ET is still acting. Drew Barrymore. Elliot. No, <laughs> Henry something or other. Elliot. Yeah, he was a dad in Back um, to the Future. No, that's we. That's we Chris Lover. This it's in it's the first one. Time. It's time travel. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, the guy that plays Elliot, his name is Henry Thomas. Oh, Henry Thomas. And um, I, I guess that there's, there's this thing where it's like, that was such a huge movie. But like, he's literally not stopped acting. Go away. Since E.T. <laughs> okay, I'll go away. <laughs> like it's not good there's not necessarily great stuff in there but the guy has just kept fucking working that's good I guess like a dozen episodes of Stargirl oof Stargirl I watched that it's weird it's weird to think that Luke Evans was in that and Owen Wilson's in Loki it's hmm? weird to think that Luke Evans is in Stargirl and Wilson the other Wilson is in Loki and like one do guy Luke do you mean Luke Wilson yeah Luke Wilson is in Stargirl and you said Luke Evans. Name. Yeah. Oh, did I say Evans? He did say Luke Evans. Yeah. Twice. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And I was like, like shut. Take take his name out of your mouth. <laughs> you filthy dirtbird. He's mine. Uh, Wilson. He's in Stargirl. Yes. Nobody yeah, talked about it. Do you ever? The other Wilson is. Do in... you ever worry about how tight you pull your hair back? Why? For that front hairline bit. Nah. I can just if if I'm concerned about it, I'll just push the, the the longer hair the back over my head, so it gives me a fringe. Okay. I never have my hair down. Sorry, Brian. Uh, sorry, Brian. I derailed your your um your Wilson. Now I'm worried this. about like, it. Every, like it's Why? it's my own paranoia about myself and like follicular tension. But because you put the follicles under girls, tension, and you but damn it doesn't it. happen to girls' hair. But they don't but, have as much testosterone weakening the yeah, follicles. I don't have that much testosterone, pal. Yeah, nothing about your face says riddled with testosterone. I'm a vegan. I don't have much testosterone. That's why I'm a, that's why I'm a sensi. That's not how that works. I think that's how that works, Brian. Mm, not how that works. I got some. Is your fourth finger thing. longer than your second digit? Quick check. You have four fingers. As he adjusts the braided hair on his back. Is your fourth digit longer than your second digit? Check it out quick. Which is the fourth digit? Thumb is number one, index is two. Okay. So is is your fourth longer than your index? What does that mean? It means you're exposed to more testosterone as a like in the womb. It's what a proven me, thing. Ryan? It's true. What about me? Uh, no, it isn't. But from the back, it might turn turn it around because the thing is, yeah. See, from the back, it looks longer, which is oh. weird. It's very weird, isn't it? What's going on? From the back of the back. longer. The Brian O'Sullivan f- story. <laughs> <laughs> that's a... I think that's something a woman very never true. wants to hear. <laughs> so, Brian, what's going on? Am I... Am I... Am I... Am I... Have I got... 
What's going on? Everything looks the same length. My fingers are the exact same length across. Uh, your fourth looks a bit longer to me. So, yeah. What does that mean? It means you were you you were exposed to more testosterone in the womb, basically. Oh, yeah. It's I a, it's a fraction longer. Yeah. Uh, but it, that's a proven thing. So, like, the you know, there's a lot of stuff about, like, what this means and that means. But the, it's the 2D, 4D ratio, and it's it's a real thing. Second digit, um, four digit ratio. I don't think my hair. So Luke Wilson is in Star Girl, and Old Wilson is in Loki, and nobody talks about it. Are we paralleling their careers? Like DC is <sighs> poor old DC. No, 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 not poor old DC because I don't know if I've said it before, and I keep on meaning to say it because I check out I, I check out different news pages for just comic book or superhero kind of newsy stuff, right? Mm. My God, the CW stuff is. I, there's a lot of people involved and they're all working and it's great that they have jobs. Steve Amell said hi to me once, but the shows are trash. I've liked a lot of those shows. Every, they do a thing. Everybody did, I think for the first like four or five episodes, maybe the first season, and then just, it's trash. No, I, I mean, I, I think... It, and my daddy says it's trash. My daddy doesn't like it. Well... They're cho- they're shows for kids, and and um, teenagers. I guess like I I I always compare it to the shit I had. Like I I loved Smallville. I chose to love Smallville, regardless of how bad it was. And I That's do the same with these on, subsequent CW shows. That, That's been released on Blu-ray now. Which those I thought was odd. Fridays are a dark part of my youth. What do you mean? I just finished school, yeah. ate a pizza in the dark, watching Smallville, it's and went to sleep Friday. for the weekend. I went back School's to school. School's over. I'm a teenager. I can go nowhere and do nothing. There's a shibi show about Superman. I'll watch that. Maybe it'll be good. It's not good. I watched. God, it you lived in. You, you lived in grim. It was so grim. What age were you at this time? Sixteen. You, you, you lived in. I would rent a VHS up areas, both of you and, and I did, and watch Smallville on a Friday exactly, night. Aiden. Exactly. And I had an active social life. Now there is a few lambs going around that look a bit funny, but that's why I. It's why I called it a dark part of my life. Just because we lived in built-up areas didn't okay. mean we had friends. <laughs> Fair. Every yeah, well, Friday. No, no, well. No judgment because you're 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 one of my favorite. I don't call it a dark part of my life. I loved it. There was a bit of judgment there. There was there was there was loaded. Well, confusion, confusion because I lived. Cry- what the Roro. fuck were you doing at fifteen? Me, riding yeah, sheep in the country. A twenty four's lamb coming yeah, soon from uh, Numi Rapace. I meant riding and, uh, sheep. Like uh, who's playing you, horse. Kevin? Colin Farrell, most likely. <laughs> It's gonna be Jared Leto on a prosthetic. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I haven't got enough eyebrows for for that prosthetic. What was I doing at fifteen? Not a lot, like, but you know, at least if I was staying indoors watching Smallville, it was probably by choice, and I enjoyed it. But um, yeah, I wanted Smallville to be good so bad, and it wasn't. It had problematic people in it who are in cults. That's that story is bonkers it's a crazy story that's why I said I was surprised that DC released it on like Blu-ray or something recently because it's just like do yeah. people want to watch that anymore not not uh, you know what actually well, no, no, I don't that, want to watch exactly, it anymore <laughs> that's exactly why they want to watch it because it's like 
can you believe every, every scene you're just going to be watching and going she indoctrinated people into a sex cult can you believe that I really liked Alison Mack in that sex, show but sex cult sounds sounds no no sex cult sounds like oh oh wow but it was it was sex trafficking cult they literally branded yeah, no, people it was, didn't it was they? trafficking yeah it was trafficking. It wasn't a sex cult in the in the sexy way Charles Manson tried to sell it. Look, it you, can, ex- you can you was... can have you can have a good sex cult and a bad sex cult. This was one of the bad ones. Brian is not What's a cult. What's an example of a good one? I'm not a cult. Brian's definitely not a cult. What's an example of a good sex cult? I mean, I'm not saying there are. I'm saying you could have a church or a belief built around sex, and it could be a positive thing. Is what I'm saying. You no, could have a cult no. based around sex being a positive, transformational... Never noticed all the pineapples I'm in a Brian's room. It's weird how pineapples makes dogs' poo taste awful, but does the opposite to humans. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I mean... I, I think you may... <laughs> I think he left a word out there. I think I think what he meant to say <laughs> was, "It's How bad for dogs." Much dog poo did you have to taste to work out it was the pineapple that was causing? I think what he meant to say is, "It's bad for dogs' digestion, but it makes human fluids taste better." Allegedly, and um, no dogs. Pineapples makes dogs' feces taste bad to dogs. So if your dog's eating its own shit, feed it some pineapples and it will stop eating but its shit. But pineapples are bad for their stomach, so don't don't yeah, give your dog it has pineapple. An, it has it an opposite effect on humans. Marla had a pineapple once and she had an explosive... Not a cult. Not what you're saying. So Luke Wilson is in Stargirl. I didn't really get much past the first episode with Joel McHale as Starman. Um, oof, 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 oof. It's... Luke Wilson as, like, what was he? It was like uh, Skippy, the uh, sidekick or something, uh, is Luke Wilson. Um, I like... Let me let me just bring it back for just a moment. I've really liked those DC shows. I think the, the producer that's managed to get um, Arrow... Flash, uh, Black Lightning, Lucifer. I think he's behind Titans as well. Greg Berlanti, um, isn't or Berlanti? Yeah, but is Titans in the same? It is him. the Archie stuff. Is him as well? Like he has his production company has successfully transferred so like he had like eight shows on the air at the same time. Supergirl is him, and the stuff that they've done in those shows has been. Like, I would be watching Smallville hoping to God they'd do something comic booky that I kind of recognized. And, like, he, he's had, you know, he has touched on so damn much in the shows that he's run where you're just like, holy crap. And he's doing it from the right place in terms of the ethos of the characters and the comic books. It's fun and it's entertaining. I think he's also doing it from a place where I can make uh, a soap opera and pretend it's a comic book show and I'll get lots of people to watch it. 
Sure, absolutely. Like, and that's I, and not I a don't, good thing. I don't hate him for that. Well, nah, it's, it's uh, that's, like that's, comic that's, books are yeah, very Mar- say, soap opera. That's pretty much that's pretty much what Mar- But that's what set Marvel aside from DC back in the golden age. They started implementing all these kind of like drama elements to the story. Oh, no, no, I, I, I mean, I mean, soap opera in terms of like production values, production and, quality. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. Yes, yeah, the, the I think somebody put together like a compilation no. of scenes from Arrow. I have people just asking people walking into a room asking them like something like are they okay and it's just it's funny to watch it, it, it's 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 low production value soap dressed up with superhero stuff to get people to watch it mm. and i'm not i'm not I, I, I don't have a problem with the melodrama and stuff like that because like you said that that's mm. what sells comics that it, it's not the melodrama it's it's the fact that it's it's I can't think of a good example of a bad kind of just drama show, but it's it's just Days of Our Lives. It's essentially Days of Our Lives with the uh, yeah, leather the rest, costumes. You know? there, there's a there, there's a lot of like um like uh Oliver Queen's girlfriend was dead, alive in a coma, her brain transplanted to a different body. Like there was there was so much of that shit. But like it's been the better part of a decade of these shows now and I think it's the cost fucking fair dues to what he's accomplished get in terms of getting comic books on television I mean and I think if people like when you look stuff, at what the, that... the cinematic universe has done at the same time I don't you know? think they're like, I don't think it's really comic books on television comic books like Smallville was the same thing like they haven't exactly done he's, he's not doing a whole lot more than Smallville did you know the, the, the thing is the I think he is by the time they're doing Crisis on Infinite Earths and Brainiac and Martian are they really doing versions of those characters though or no but what I mean is like they're not not doing justice to those storylines or characters just because just because they've just because they've introduced them on the show doesn't mean like this is a good reliable place to to look at if you're into that character I, I don't I don't entirely think that's fair and I think that I I do really feel like this place has come these shows come from a place of love from Berlanti that like he wants to get these things he likes on screen and he, he wants to get them on if screen you're because a, it, like f- if it, if, it, if you're a 15 year old with nowhere to go on a Friday night I'd I mean, hated it I'll it go and read a comic book time <laughs> and like it, it's <laughs> not about oh he's got this and that like he's he's growing a TV empire so of course he's going to put like the, the more content and stuff like he's getting paid he's not doing it like out of the love of the characters it's he I he disagree. he's the male comics version of Shonda Rhimes just because he's putting like he's he's found something that people want he's found uh uh you know a, a but does that necessarily mean he doesn't love the characters or love comics I'm saying just because he's just, like because he's just because he's just just because he's churning stuff out yeah. Isn't you're, you I wouldn't give somebody credit just for churning stuff out with low effort and low return I, and and low entertainment value. I don't uh, look, yeah, we're not going to agree on this because we're I don't think that's where it's bad. at. I, I think he's TV Kevin Feige. I think oh, he's God, done a great no. job. No. I think he's done a great job. No. He has a very limited No. He has a very no. limited just, just because you're for prolific, what he can do on a CW prolific. production. You can't you can't compare it. No, <laughs> no. 
I, I know think that's fair. Like he's fair. doing a great job. He, how is he doing a great job? He, the, the shows are bad. He has a, a a window of shit television to make, and he makes the best of it, and it's successful, and it, people like it. Like I, it, it's it's, it's every successful for genre show that you see on television for where it is. It's success. It beats the freaking Vampire Diaries. You know, it's successful for where it is. Sure. Yeah. But I mean that that within within the world that he was within the job I'm not I'm not saying he I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not successful I'm not saying that they haven't been successful ventures I'm saying the shows are bad they are bad I'm going to he's he's found a little space where he can make this stuff over in the corner and he's he's allowed to make it because they need content and he's worked out a formula where I can cast attractive people and I can put in storylines with love triangles and whatever. And that doesn't make it a good adaptation of the source material. Just because just because it's successful doesn't make it a good ad- adaptation. They they've they've got a they've got a platform, they've got a channel, they need content. There's there's enough market share of people watching it to go, yeah, this this is successful. People will watch it, so we'll keep making it go ahead go do it yeah he's successful at churning that stuff out that doesn't equate to good content dc have a better track history volume 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 and market share of a small audience doesn't equate to making good content i think it's a case of like we've seen in the marvel world we've seen the sort of the netflix scope of stuff we've seen the um to ABC or CBS, what was the place where Shield was? ABC. We've seen what Disney Plus version of it looks like. This is the CW version of superhero content. This is the Smallville yeah. stuff. And this it's, is it's mutant not, fucking it's not X. Good. <laughs> it's it's a like you go. <laughs> I can buy my Marvel content in Forbidden Planet. I can buy it on Amazon. I can buy it in Arnett's. I can buy it in or Sub City T-shirts or clothes or trousers. I can buy. Marvel clothes in every fucking tier of um, uh, merchandising outlet. I can consume comic book content at every tier of television content now as well, from the super high end to the slocky, serialized soap opera stuff. I think he's approached this with the best spirit that he could, with characters that have never had a chance. I'm not to disagreeing with any of that. DC. I'm saying the end result. And isn't I think he's good. done a good job in the world that he lives. The end result isn't good. I don't want to fucking give it an Oscar, but I'll watch it on a Friday evening eating a pizza. You should expect more from life. What about life has taught you that we can expect anything beyond being inside when it's raining? You could watch something better. You can choose to watch something better. There's so much better Uh, things to consume. If you guys are looking for something to watch, I recommend eight seasons of Arrow. About seven seasons of The Flash, about five seasons of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Batgirl, Riverdale. Riverdale is bad. Riverdale's amazing. Stargirl, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. People love Doom Patrol. Three seasons of Titans. Berlanti's killing it. They're all bad. Nobody. All bad. Doom Patrol is responsible for the Brendan Fraser Renaissance. There's a Renaissance. Imager is actually responsible. There's a there's a there's a Renaissance. Yeah. Sure. For Fraser's sons. He's in No Sudden Moves from Steven Soderbergh now. He's on the way up. Brian. He's coming back. Brian's left to chat. You, ju- you just listed 
a tirade of bad very entertaining TV shows. shows. Good. I tried entertaining with these shows. Schlock. I tried. I I I was at home working from home a lot. I needed like a constant stream of background noise. I downloaded this stuff regularly to watch. Mm. And it's it was bad. great. John Barrowman is in John like four Barrowman's seasons. Bad. He's great. Yeah. <gasps> bad. He, he's he's problematic. They did Rachel Ghoul in that show. So what? It was it great wasn't. fun. I, I, it's sounding more and more like I'm taking the piss, but the more I remember about this show, the more I like it. So you watched Inuyasha? I watched Inuyasha. Inuyasha. Yes. Okay. Inuyasha is new on Netflix this week? New on Netflix, but this week, by the looks of it, yeah. It's based Okay, on, tell me about it. I didn't it get a chance to watch it. based on a comic by Rumiko Takahashi. She's a very prolific manga uh, writer artist she's written some amazing stuff um, it's an adaptation of that and yeah I was looking to show up because it, it looks Netflix was saying it's from I think the year 2000 it looked a bit older to me so I was looking it up I was like is that production date wrong but apparently it is from 2000 even though I thought it looked older but while looking that up, apparently we forget how long four three persisted. No, no, that like, as in like sixteen nine didn't. It even looks older, just stylistically. Um, I would have placed okay. it kind of mid to later nineties. So I guess two thousand is right okay. on the cusp of that. But um, yeah. When I, so I looked it up just to kind of check, and apparently, apparently Inuyasha was on RTE two, which it definitely wasn't. One, I would have seen it. And two, there's a lot of stuff in there that they would never show on RTE2. So what, what, what's Inuyasha? Inuyasha is about uh, a girl in modern day Japan who falls down a well and uh, ends up in kind of feudal era Japan. And she looks very much like this other character who Inuyasha who's the, the kind of title character. He's a half-demon, half-human hybrid. He's got dog ears and claws. And the show opens with him back in feudal Japan killing... Um, or sorry, being killed by this woman. And he's surprised to be killed by her because he thought they were thought they were friends for some reason. But he has a reputation as being a kind of a half-demon, half... He's half... a reputation as a troublemaker. So he's trying to steal a thing. She kills him and she's been kind of fatally wounded by him and they both die and many years later this girl falls down a well ends up back in feudal Japan and it's now 50 years after um, this event that it opens with and the schoolgirl in modern day Japan is kind of like I guess reincarnation of the lady at the start and it turns out Inuyasha's not dead he's just kind of pinned to a tree by an arrow so they go on adventures from there basically is there an overall quest and goal or is it just yeah. adventures so, in that era so the show opens with it, it, it drops you right in the middle of it it opens with um, Inuyasha attacking the village and he steals this kind of jewel it's kind of this kind of pearl looking thing and Apparently he's stolen it to try to become fully demon. So he's attacked this village. He's got the jewel. He's running away. And I 
think I can't remember the character's name. I think it's Kikoye, I think. Uh, she shows up wounded. She's got a bow and arrow and she shoots him with an arrow and pins him to a, a tree and they both die. And as she's dying, she tells her younger sister, um, nobody, nobody can get this jewel. You got to burn it with my body. So they do. And that's the end of that. And it cuts a couple of hundred years ahead to modern day Japan. And the girl has family. The family's kind of, I think the family is on the same site as the village was or something like that. The family's kind of got kind of spiritual, religious connections to, I think it would be Shinto, I'd imagine, religion. So I think her grandfather is like a Shinto priest, maybe. So anyway, she falls down this well and she ends up back in feudal Japan. And essentially the jewel is inside the girl. So when the village ends up being attacked by this giant centipede monster, she's able to use the jewel to kill the centipede monster. But it also brings Inuyasha back to life 50 years later. So the girl's little sister who was there at the time recognized her saying, hey, you were my sister. You died many years ago. And what ends up happening mm. is Inuyasha is very much kind of like a villain, but uh, the main character who is Kagome, I think, can control him. She can basically tell him to sit like a dog and he has to obey her because of magic. Uh, they end mm. up destroying the jewel accidentally and it, it shatters into many, many pieces and it's spread around Japan. So the show... Is it because she has the jewel that she can tell him what to do? Uh, partially. It also, I'm just, it also has to I'm do, just trying to remember if that's the plot of Psycho Gorman. <laughs> it also has to do with like kind of a talisman um, stuff that they place on him. But essentially, okay. he comes back and he's like, hey, it's you. And she's like, it's not me. I'm a different person. Whatever. But essentially, they, they destroy the jewel mm. and they have to go around the country trying to find the pieces of the jewel. But then also, it's it's a sort of a enemies to lovers type plotline. So that's that. Okay. But it definitely was not on RTE. It was not. There was no way. I would have seen it. And there's no way they showed it. It's funny as well that like, with the limited television that was available in like the year 2000, that like showing something like that would have deeply affected the children of the I would have much preferred to watch that instead of Smallville. Okay. Well, so you recommend checking it out? If you like anime. If you don't like anime, you're probably not going to, you're probably not going to like it. Is it one series or two seasons or what are, what are people getting into? There's only one on Netflix at the moment, but I think there was at least five, possibly eight seasons oh, wow. of it. It ran for a while. The, the, Holy the shit. comic only finished up like, you know, I think maybe 10 or 20 years ago, but the comic ran for a long time as well. Um, strange. People draw manga for life. <laughs> one Piece is... One Piece is ongoing. Yeah. The original run, the original comic run, I just looked it up, of Inuyasha was from 1996 to 2008. Check out Inuyasha if you like anime. There's one season up there. I suppose it's a good way to dip your toe in the water of that show, you know. If you like it, check out the one season. And I was just going to say on the, on, the, on the subject of the Den and RD and stuff, apparently they were kind of known for um, getting, oh, what's the word? Kind of good word. Basically getting, acquiring the rights to uh these like 
really obscure random cartoons from all over Europe and Japan and all that kind of stuff showing cartoons that like people just weren't interested in and then some of them even took off to bigger things you know but like I think the den was one of the like was kind of like on the forefront of the Pokemon uh, popularity and all that kind of stuff like they were one of the first first children's stations to be shown it you know But I think, well, yeah, I mean, I, I do think of Pokemon as being very, very mainstream once that got going. Like, it was on Sky 1 for fucking ever. It was on... Do you think of it the was, as being ahead of its time? Apparently it was when it came to some shows, yeah. Content-wise? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I mean, I do remember for a while, TG Carter was the only place you'd see, like, HBO shows. And it was like, that's weird. Like, I know, the Oz. The Wire yeah. was showing on and Oz and um, Carnival. And that's what I was watching when I was 15. Carnival. Carnival. No, Oz. At a BC. I don't know what that means. At a BC was uh, one of the act, one of the characters in it. He played um, Mr. Smoke oh. or something on Lost. I think it was. My Brian would know. Mm, no, Mr. Echo. Mr. Echo. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there was a smoke thing in Lost. I got confused. Yeah, there was a smoke monster, and smoke. he was killed by it. Um. Ah, there you go. Mm. He was um, a cool character. He was a great he character. Was. Yeah, and he was great. In, he's a great actor in Oz, and he was in Oz for a good bit before that as well. Like, and he so, was yeah, wasted funny. in Suicide Squad. Who was he in Suicide Squad? Exactly. Croc. Killer Croc, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he Killer Croc? Yeah, yeah that's that's no Su- good. Suicide Squad, um, apparently, best comic book movie of all time. That movie is came out, out yesterday. Next Friday. That was yesterday. Yeah. Well, it's out yesterday, but like I'm in, I'm not going to a cinema. I'm going to be trying to stream the ah. thing. Um, and HBO Max gets it the sixth, I think. Uh, are you thinking of going to the cinema? Going to the pictures? Not for this. I'm not a fan. No, I'm not a fan. I mean, I will if you tell me to. I will for the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna go, Brian. You should go. I, can, I I will go then. Um, if you can pay for something else and sneak into it. <laughs> don't don't support gun. Don't support. That's true. <laughs> I'm not saying don't support gun. I like James Gunn's movies. I enjoy uh, these these films and um, look forward to working you in the future, Jimmy. You were listening to. You said you were listening to Stan Lee's autobiography. What what is that? Where'd you get that? How are you finding it? Yeah, very. Is it an autobiography or is it a, a ghost written biography? It's not. It's not necessarily ghost written, but uh, it is written. It's it's actually interesting enough because it's written by uh, Danny Fingerot. He's the creator of Darkhawk in the early nineties, and um, which was like a okay. uh, Marvel comic book in the nineties. He created that, and um, he actually, I was listening to a podcast about Darkhawk recently. And they got him on on talking about it, and then he was just he just happened to mention how he wrote this um, Stan Lee book, you know. And um, what's the book called? It is called A Marvelous Life, Amazing Story of Stan Lee, unabridged audio by the author. So the audio book is actually read by Danny. Um, it's good. Like kind of, I've been listening for ages, and I still have like six hours left i think it's like 15 hours long or something but uh it's pretty interesting stuff i I, like i don't think it's particularly i don't think it's one-sided i think like he says stuff that kind of like you know kind of goes against stan as much as like in favor of stan you know what i mean and i think a lot of it isn't anything that most kind of serious comic book fans 
haven't heard before aren't aware of you know it kind of goes into the comic book code or that dilemma uh timely losing artists going just using freelance the jack kirby steve ditko I Lee. think there's a lot of that that people don't know. Well, a lot of they just think of Stan Lee as the guy who created all the Marvel characters and cameos in the movie. Yeah, but that's that's like people who just watched like not like as in like you can be an absolute comic book fan, no problem. You can just consume the the movies and the TV shows. That's okay. But I'm talking about like say the likes of us three, uh, who have probably read comic books as far back as we remember, you know, um. Like mm. I, you know, even my brothers, like they appreciate that kind of stuff. Like, but I could, I could say like a lot of these things to them, and they wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Like, but they're big combo. Mm. They're big. They love the TV shows, the cartoons, the movies, and all that kind of stuff, and they like to consume that kind of media. But this kind of, yeah, I'm talking about like the, like you know, some of the stuff that the book covers. Obviously, like we know it because we're like hardcore. So what, comic what's book a piece fans. of Stan trivia that you got from the book that you think people don't know? Like, even if you know, what's what's a piece that you think people don't know about Stan's life? He doesn't remember the. The girl's name he lost his virginity to. I didn't know that. Um, oh, you asked him so, something like, I I would know that he that other people generally don't know. Yeah. Oh, not just something that I didn't know at all. And what? Um, what would I know? But like you know, okay, so like uh, you know, obviously he doesn't remember the name of the girl he lost his virginity. Yeah. To. Is that just Alzheimer's or <laughs> like? I think I think Stanley. Uh, either likes to think of himself as some sort of ladies man he was definitely I think very enamoured by women but uh, yeah I don't know I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or he's just shit talking Stanley's a bit of a talker you know he's a bit of a talker that'd be putting it lightly I don't even remember who I lost my <laughs> yeah yeah um, I like Sandy. I find him incredibly charismatic and stuff and he's enjoyable to watch uh, but uh, he's you know like kind of they were talking about so Silver Surfer right and mm-hmm. Silver Surfer is credited as one of Jack Kirby's creations like very much so you know um, but like right. and apparently and, and Galactus was Stanley's I think creation you know and Jack Kirby had written in and drew this Silver Surfer character into the story and he was just like someone like Galactus being this all powerful all thing like wouldn't do the kind of grunt work himself he'd have a herald he'd have someone doing it for him you know and uh, Stan Lee thought this was like a stupid thing. He thought like, look at this guy. He looks like a Oscar uh, statue, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm. And um, but kind of ran with it or something because Jack was kind of enthusiastic about it. But then, but then he became one of Stan Lee's like favorite characters to write, you know. And I think Stan Lee mm. ended up like like kind of uh, remedied it or um. Kirby didn't know about it, but uh, they were going to do this solo run of Silver Surfer, you know, and they got John Romita to to do the artwork. I think it was John Romita. No, John Buscemi. Well, no, what's his name? This is, this is a John Buscemi artist, right? There's a Buscema. Buscema. Sorry, yeah, I knew I was saying it wrong. John Buscema. Um, I think they got John Buscema to draw that book, and Kirby didn't know, and I think Kirby was shocked. Even though, like, kind of Stan could have very well said to Kirby, hey, I want to do, like, I'm thinking of doing, like, a solo uh, Silver Surfer story and Kirby probably just didn't mm. give him any reaction whatsoever so Stan was just like well he's not interested because as much as there is the whole debate between who created what and you know how much of their input was uh, you know a part of the, the success of these characters and stuff uh, you know Kirby wasn't an easy guy to work with 
uh, there's reasons why he kind of had burned a lot of bridges in his career and stuff. I like Kirby, and I do think he's like a um, underappreciated or under underrecognized for sure. But I think I think it was a case of like, it, like you know, would have Spider Man been as successful without um, was it Dicko who did Spider Man? Probably not. But that's not oh. but that's not saying it wouldn't have been like Stan at the end of the day is the ideas man. But it's like kind of these guys were able to get his great ideas and 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 bring them even uh to a higher he didn't level, draw them you know? himself pardon he didn't draw them himself basically it's no good yeah. being in his head and I, writing I, them without without those collaborators yeah that's, that's what i'm saying like there's a collaboration yeah. thing yeah 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 i grew up loving uh, i i grew up familiar with stanley let's put it that way and you you do have this thing in your head of his being the guy who created everything and he was a great self-promoter especially when you're reading so. a book yeah that's right but yeah a great self-promoter and you are reading a book about stan lee um or or like i haven't heard before and that this could just be my lack of exposure to it. i've never heard people go jack kirby was hard to work with um but i don't think I, that, that sounds you know, like a piece of information that comes out of a stan lee book i, I, I think no i think Jack Kirby. Yeah, I don't think it was the easiest person to work with. Um, and look, well, don't get me see, wrong. If you're Stan Lee who wants to take credit for everything and if you're Jack Kirby inventing the Silver Surfer and the aesthetic and the reason people like it. He, he, oh, here, look, but like, um, the thing is, it's like, I, don't, I, I, I kind of, when I listen to the book, it's just, I, I actually, I'm, I'm kind of like kind of rooting for the underdog, which is like kind of Kirby and stuff, you know? But, um, mm. and I do think like, uh, I I just think it was it was like it's it was a partnership, you know, and I think that and I think Stanley did rob those guys of that to a degree, you know. But at the end of the day, like mm. he was the ideas man, and like and there was plenty of characters that Stanley created with people that never took off, and those people aren't fighting for, you know, co-creator uh, titles of those things. But I do think they probably are. But I do think like Stanley, like he does say like, oh, Silver Surfer is one of my favorite characters to write and blah blah, and it's like you know I would have thought for years Stanley created Silver Surfer where Kirby did. You know I know I obviously I know Kirby created Silver Surfer, but I'm just saying for years I would have thought it was Stanley creation, um, because the dialogue was super Stanley. See, uh, see, I think Stan. Well, of course, like you know yourself, the 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 Marvel production method in that era was Stan sends out a one page like this is what I want to happen in this book. Yeah. Kirby goes and draws it and then Stan of course the dialogue super Stanley because Stan looks at finished pages and does the dialogue just shoehorns oh, I know. in budgets of text yeah I know I know well like, and I, like I, know, I know those guys created so much like Dicko would have created so much of the Spider-Man lore you know Sp- Stanley gets like, a lot they, of credit for they were it, literally like Marvel were literally paying artists like their contracts were their paychecks with a disclaimer on the back or a release on the back that goes cashing this check is a uh, an affirmation that Marvel now owns everything you just did, you know? Mm. Like, that was the extent of the contract for a long, long time. So when you say Stan was the ideas, man, like, I I, I sit very, like, annoyingly on the fence where I'm like, these artists did know what they were getting involved with, even if they felt it was shitty. But they, they like, signed on for work-for-hire stuff that signed away all their rights to their shit. They were still exploited. Yeah, no one thought, but at the same com- time, no Stan thought comics were going to take off like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but Stan was the guy who was under contract from the publisher house that could say, "This is my work. This is my work. This is my work." You know. Yeah, and still, Stan was the, his his 
wasn't it his uncle or something own time league but um, what I was going to say though is I kind of like you know even listen to this book and stuff I'm, I didn't know it, that I'm, did Stan's uncle own timely comics yeah it's, uh, what was his name something Goodman yeah Stanley basically couldn't get fired you know he was like shoot, he just came out I don't think he went to college maybe he, he went to some college because I think he fancied a girl but then he dropped out but um, he uh, he got a job in this thing and he's writing like like just kind of like books and stories and all of this yeah. like he'd released these books and stuff like these kind of like caption uh, comedy books where it'd be like a photograph of JFK standing at the podium with all the presidential stuff around him he's like allow me to introduce myself and it's just like everybody oh, oh, oh. but it's just kind of like it's that kind of crappy comedy you know that yeah. he was famous for but uh, and he would have published loads of books like that you know um, mm. and kind of yeah done all, done all that stuff for years and uh, but, it, but the thing is basically when through all the ups and downs of Timely and Atlas and what eventually would be Marvel uh, Stanley never lost his job but loads of people did because he couldn't his uncle owned yeah. it you know his, his parents yeah. were poor and his, his uncle and auntie used to uh, pay for like I think they paid for minor sinus surgery in like the 30s and they got him a red bicycle in the 40s or not the 40s because he was probably an yeah. adult at that stage but you know what I mean like but uh, yeah it's just <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm going to read uh, the Jack Kirby book. There is a Jack Kirby book, and I, I'm dying to read it now after this, to yeah. be fair, because I'd love to see the two sides of it. But at the end of the day, I just I can just be like, I, you know, I love I love Stan for his ideas. Yeah. Kirby will always be like the, the guy who, like, I think, like, without Kirby's influence on the industry, what? artists wouldn't be able to kind of do the stuff they do now. Look at, like, kind of, say, you know, Bignola even, like, massive massive yeah. influence from Kirby you know and he pushed it like he got fired yeah. from he essentially got fired from DC for sloppy bad drawing where he was just like no this is what I want to do this is this is where I want to take my art you know he yeah. was an artist he was an artist expressing yeah. himself Stan Lee was like, trying to remain I, relevant I Stan did it like I'm hesitant to start fucking like eulogy or um, preaching because like I don't know enough at the same time you know I, I got a half thing but like my impression of Stan is that you know he did a huge amount for the comic books industry and he chose the right people to work with but he was also in the position to make his name the one up fucking front and center and you know there's there's people that didn't quite get as much credit as they should have yeah he agreed. moved out to LA in the 70s and started like he got out of the comics and started trying to flog the the concept of Marvel to TV production and that's the slow road to where we are today with the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he he did amazing things, but like the comics industry has been a fucking nightmare for long. Like I remember Neil Adams. I think it's Neil Adams did a huge amount in terms of like unionizing, representing um, artists' mm. rights and the things. Like he said, he worked in the DC offices at one point, and he spotted an intern just with a guillotine shredding comic book pages out of a cupboard, and he had to go over and go what. What are you doing? It's like, oh well, we're not mailing these back to the artists, and we need to clear the cupboard space. And he stopped, like, he stopped that and went to the again. Now this is Neil Adams. I think it's Neil Adams telling this story. Um, forgive me if I'm misattributing this, but I think it's Neil Adams telling this story. So again, grain of salt. He's a very good self promoter as well. But he said he went to management and went, "You paid for the license to print this image. You didn't pay for ownership of the physical artwork." So if you're going to shred that stuff, you need to pay out every artist whose art you are now shredding. And when they looked retroactively at the amount of money they'd have to pay each and every artist, they started returning the original art. Hmm. And that's because comic book artists 
you know, might get $100 a page these days, and probably in the fucking 80s as well. Like, it doesn't feel like that page rate has gone up. It's one of these things that's stagnated forever. But comic book artists will supplement their income by selling original artwork. And for a long time, once that artwork went into a DC office, it just ended up in landfill. It's awful. You know? Um, but it's, so it's, I, I, yeah, it's, I, uh, it's interesting anyways. I've not... I kind of derailed you, but... No, I'm saying it's, I know, that is that is interesting, but uh, yeah, the the, the I, then I was watching because I started watch I listened to, listened to book whatever I was watching Robert Kirkman's Secret History and that kind of goes into stuff deeper and stuff and like you know um like Stanley incredibly charismatic but like my heart goes out to Kirby and Dicko you know really does like it's mm. kind of like yeah. it's like kind of I know it sounds awful but like it's just it was just Stanley's personality to kind of. You know, be to kind of to want to be there. I don't think necessarily the guys wanted to be there, but they want the credit and they should have gotten it. You know, um. But it's funny because yeah. you watch like Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane is another uh, comic book creator who, even people who aren't kind of like say big into comic books and the industry and stuff, could potentially recognize him. You know, and like it always struck me as like Todd. I think he resented Stan, but he wanted to be the next Stan Lee. You know, but he was just like anytime you see, anytime I see Tom. On, on in an interview or on TV or on YouTube, Todd. Todd sorry, Todd. Anytime I mm. see Todd on in an interview on TV, whatever, he's just selling something. Like it's like Stan would dress it up in a story and with charisma and stuff. Todd just mm. like he got a guy just sells it, and it's like it's like it's it's a character. I did an ad for Levi's jeans or something at one point, didn't he? He could have, but like it's just like it's, I just feel like it's kind of like a what they call it, like a car salesman. You know, it's like it's like he's just always pitching something, always selling something, and he's just he doesn't have the same kind of gravitas or whatever it is that uh, Stanley has. I'm not saying Stanley's perfect by any means. I love Stanley. I'm always going to be like kind of, you know. I'm always going to appreciate his input in the industry, however, whatever way that is, you know, but, uh, but I'm always, I, I'm sorry, being an artist myself and you guys being artists, it's just like, we know how much work goes into fucking drawing. Um, the only work that puts mm. into doing like a, a comic book, sequential art, all that kind of stuff, it's a lot, you know, and these guys are doing it when people really resented books and really resented comics and thought they were stupid, but they were pouring their heart and souls into it. Like, you know, those guys did mm-hmm. so much for, the people reading the people because like we buy books based on the art you know what i mean like essentially you know yeah. uh so yeah i think it's I, I think like it's sad but like it's a fascinating story i do recommend listening to or getting the book or listen to the audiobook if you want uh, I'm like, what's I, the name of the book again a marvelous life stanley story by danny fingerath yeah it's just it's interesting i do recommend watching the robert kirkman's secret history comics very good where do you where did you watch that uh it was on sky but i think it was on amazon for a while or something There's, there's like there's like six or seven different episodes of the Secret History comics. I think I saw it on like Sky Arts or something. Yeah, it could have been that. Yeah, but I don't know where you'd get it at this point. You know, it's it's it, um, I, have this, I have the Sky Box thing. So uh, that is uh, Stanley: A Marvelous Life uh, and Robert Kirkman's Secret Life of Comics. Let's move on to Lady Hawk. I watched I watched Lady Hawk. Um, which is a we I suggested this last week because it's a Richard Donner uh, film and I grew up watching Richard Donner movies. He's one of the first directors alongside sort of Steven Spielberg that I identified as you know a director. What other what what other movies has he done? 
Lethal Weapon. Uh, Superman, Superman. Lethal Weapon, Scrooged, Maverick, uh, Assassins, um, Conspiracy Theory. Uh, towards the end of the, the run, um, 16 Blocks with Bruce Willis since 2006. I with most deaf in that as well. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't. It's not earth shattering, but like it's a solid mm. film. Um, but you know, I watched the Lethal Weapons movies a bunch growing up, and um, and the superhero or the Superman movies. So like Richard Donner was a uh, a name, and I'd never seen Lady Hawk, and he just passed away. So we suggested it last week, and I'm just looking at his IMDb here at the same time, and. He seems to follow up, like it looks like Superman, Superman Two, and then Lady Hawk. And I watched late. I went into Lady Hawk thinking it was before Superman, and it was like his first feature. But I got that arseways because I was giving it a lot of leeway. Going, I was... Well, I guess it's the first time he's made a movie, but it's like, nope, it's not the first time he's made a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lady Hawk is a 1985 movie with uh, 1985 fantasy movie with Matthew Broderick, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Rutger Hauer. Um, there's probably who, a bunch of other who, character who, actors in there. Well, Alf, 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 um, Marino. What's his name? We said Marina. Alfred Molina. Molina. Yeah, he's in it. Oh, Alfred Molina. Also, yeah. all, all he pops up as well. But I was going to say. Um, can't remember. The Rutger Hauer guy. He's great. He's great in it. Yeah. Rutger's great. He's um, great in everything. I was watching it going, I haven't seen a huge amount of Rutger Hauer movies. He's in Dark Knight, I think, right? Or Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Batman Blade Begins. Runner. He's uh, Ray Batty. Roy was Batty. That? Roy Batty. Roy Batty and Blade Runner. I was watching him in this going, is he 1980s Viggo Mortensen? Or Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> There's definitely a, a look to him with the sword as well. Thank you. Blade Runner, like I, you know, I've seen Blade Runner a few times. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of it. Not, not true. Not, not that it's a bad move or anything. It's just a taste thing. But I always, mm. always fucking love that scene where he's just like, I've seen like starships and the belt of Orion and blah blah. Mm. Like, and it's like all just whatever moments in the race. Like that has to be one of the best sea beams over Orion. Tank ships on the shoulder of Orion. Guys, come on. Yeah. Fuck's sake. <laughs> This is a nerd podcast, Sorry, guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I Get was going right. to say, it's... Uh... Lost like tears in the wind. Rain, you motherfucker. Sorry. <laughs> God, I thought you got it up there, Aiden. Fuck's sake. This is a nerd podcast. All I was going to say is, it's a great fucking scene. It's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie and one of my favorite lines because it's just, it's just like, that's just super... I don't know, sincere sci-fi. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just like, you really like, you feel like this guy has just been through the ringer and he's not just some actor rhyming off nonsense, you know, so futuristic yeah. nonsense. It's like this guy is lifted, he's speaking about it and it's just, it's so, that, That's the thing so though, good. it is, it's a, it's a load it's of sci-fi nonsense. nonsense and he sells it. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. What, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I just I just love it. I love it. Last day of shooting and Ridley walks in and he goes, I'm gonna need you to say this Rutger and, and you just... gotta mean it. Say it like say it like it makes sense. Yeah, it's excellent. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Brilliant. So Lady Hawk is about a couple played by Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer who have been cursed. Pfeiffer? It's, Pfeiffer. It's, it's, it's Pfizer. It's actually it's Michelle, Michelle Pfizer. Pfizer. It's Pfeiffer. 
Michelle Pfeiffer. It's played by Michelin R- Pfeiffer. Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer. During the day, she is cursed into the form of a hawk. At night, he is cursed into the form of a wolf. Never the two shall meet. They cannot be together. They've been cursed by an angry bishop. As you know yourselves, guys, it's not where you want to be. Matthew Broderick plays uh, Philippe Gaston, the mouse, a pickpocket or a thief who stumbles into their story and helps them on their journey to break the curse. It's way too long, guys. Have you seen... You Did you watch it this week, Brian? Yep. Yep. Did you enjoy it? Uh, it's it's flawed, but I just I just like the idea. I like I like Michelle mm. Pfeiffer. I like Rutger. She's not in it enough. She's not in it enough, but I, 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 she's in it for like a five minutes total screen time. I was thinking the same thing. She's really not in it enough. But she looks great. I don't know if that hairdo is working for her. It's definitely working for her. Um, no, I just I I just like I I like I said I think I said it last week. I saw it by chance on tv years ago and i was just you know i i only ever saw i only ever saw kind of medieval fantasy in cartoons and things like that so that there was a medieval fantasy in a film that i could watch that was you know age appropriate for me to watch i just loved it um yeah, it's flawed. It, it 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 you know, I think the plot synopsis sounds a lot more interesting than the film actually is, but I still like it. It's an oddity. There's it's a it's a strange kind of It's two hours long. It needs to be ninety minutes. I was watching it thinking The Princess Bride came out two years later and they kinda use the the Peter Falk stuff to like pretend it's a book and skip through mm-hmm. a lot of like like yeah historical fantasy nonsense and like there is there's gorgeous landscape photography in this there is old-timey or or stuff that isn't in fashion so much anymore which is the sort of like the polarized lenses where it sort of changes color towards the top of the screen yeah i like that yeah as much of that in film anymore it had a lovely look to it but the princess bride had this little mechanism where it's just like this is the captain of the guard riding to report. Skip to the end. What's happened. And we see it. We see three shots of him riding across screen, changing horses and riding off at a distance before arriving at a castle and saying, Captain Navarre has returned. And then, yeah, edit. The I, opening scene with like Philippe escaping prison was great. Mm-hmm. It still looks Do you great. not think that he, he was kind of an annoying character though? He's the mouse. Did you think he was an annoying character, Kev? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think his... Elaborate. Expand. I, I didn't think his, like... I, I don't know, like, kind of like... You watch, like, the Ferris Bueller and... I, I, basically, I don't think the role, suit, the role suited him as such, you know? I think he's much better, like, the Ferris Bueller and other things I've seen him in. I don't think that kind of world um, uh, suited him. I would have preferred to have seen Warwick Davis, Rooker being played by Val Kilmer, and... Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer being played by Michelle um, Pfeiffer that gingerbread Michelle Pfeiffer Sharon Stone I always get them confused which one was in uh, Quick and the Dead Sharon Stone. Stone who was Catwoman Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer god they're both brilliant this isn't hard <laughs> um, Willow was 88 so that's three years later again Willow's a great example of like another medieval fantasy um, type of thing that just a bit better 
Um, apparently, apparently they want to cut Russell for Roker's part, and Roker was going to play the main baddie in Lady Hawk, but he he really wanted to do the the Navier Navier Captain Navier whatever role role, and uh, when Russell pulled out last minute, he got it. Weird. Okay, because that villain wasn't up to much. No. There's there's some nice stuff in that inn where they're chasing Matthew Broderick around the place. Like I was surprised at Broderick's physicality. I've not seen him do that. Um, scrambling over tables. This... Had you not seen Ferris Bueller and him running through all the back gardens to get home? Um. Yeah. I guess I don't think about that much. I, I've only seen Ferris Bueller once, maybe twice. What? I'm it's not watching film. that the next week. No, it is a good film. I've watched it. I've watched it so much. It's it, you know what? It's like it's like kind of premise wise, it's cool. Like yeah, l- like where eagle, where where or where hawk, where eagle, where wolf, lady hawk, w- whatever you know, man dog, lady hawk, man dog. Uh, yeah, but that stuff was cool. Uh, man mouse, mouse man. Mm. Um, that stuff was all cool. What, what, could you imagine if this was like a like a kind of 80s and 90s Disney animated feature be fucking badass well just even because the the production method would demand that it be 80 minutes long yeah that's including songs as well yeah um double crossbow he had the double crossbow he had that big ass two-handed claymore thing as well I mean he was badass Navarre had a lot of MacGuffins His horse didn't walk like a normal horse. Did you notice that? Uh, the poor horse trotting in at the at the end. It was so cute looking. Goliath was his horse. Yeah. Why wasn't but it a like, horse? What's what's the what's the Olympic sport where the horse should have been should have should have been his dad or his man? And dressage, dressage. That honestly, I wasn't looking for this, but I remember like my note here is that is the prancingest pony I've ever seen. And when I was watching the I credits. Know. Horse trainer Manuela Estrella Bilou. She did a great job. But that horse, that horse was serving fire. Yes. That fight in the church between the two horses when the horse fell over on the dude as well. Mm. Like, like they're bashing swords, running downstairs on horseback. That was pretty cool. Did you ever feel sorry for the horse's legs? That was a, that was a stone cobble ground, and those horses are just it probably wasn't stone. Uh, sounded like stone, Brian. No way. It looked like stone. Sounded like stone. Don't know yeah, how you stone that in Hollywood. But it, but it was Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. <laughs> um, too good movie. Did you enjoy it? Too long. Yeah, like, like yeah, like I kind of, I, I was, I found because I watched it. I got up this morning to watch it, and I found it a little bit grueling, and I was kind of skipping like ten seconds because I just don't need to see. The guys trotting across the the land. No, the music cues are weird. Music cues were strange. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna say I didn't enjoy it. Um, I think it was I too think long. I think the the pieces that I was supposed to find as thrilling or eventful, I didn't. You know, like Alfred Molina hunting them in the woods. I didn't. I yeah. wasn't that interested. He fell into his own fucking d- trap. He died very violently, though. I'm I I remind me why they had to rescue the dog out of the ice. I, I don't remember. I well, you morning. just watched it an hour ago. 
Like yeah. they, they had to crawl across ice and pull the wolf out of the ice. But they were digging a pit to catch the dog in at one point. I I just think it was all How many minutes in the middle did you skip, Kev? 30 minutes? No, there was a part in the middle where I fell asleep again. Okay. Okay. But it wasn't that big a deal, you know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> at the very start of it, where Navarre arrives back and I say arrives back or shows himself for the first time and the new captain of the guard goes Navarre and somebody goes Captain Navarre and he just gives him a shove and a guy falls on Rutger Howard's on a sword. sword yeah it's often like, I felt like that guy was his friend but then for the rest of the film he can't get anybody to land on that sword <laughs> apparently there's a scene well, where he does a knife anymore. <laughs> there's a scene where he does like a little knife flip and he chose the knife mm. you know yeah uh, apparently apparently he was really tough that he did that without looking well he caught it yeah actually yeah I just I just dropped my pen it's harder than it looks <laughs> you have a knife there right did you did you try it no do it with the knife do it with the do knife do it with the knife do it with the knife don't do it with the knife uh, look, it's kind of like it's it's I, I I I you know what I kind of like story. The movie was boring. It was very boring. Yeah, no, I I think we're I think there's a little bit of trying to say we like this from Kevin myself, and it's like I I didn't I didn't enjoy this, and I won't watch it again. Um, I like fantasy stories. I think there's a, there's a kernel of a good idea in here. I kind of want to remake it because we can just get to the fucking point quicker. The the mouse's escape is a nice motion. The idea that he's got to like break back into I think there's a nice like idea there and it's really nice that like the opening scene sets up that um that uh end set piece like of what they have to do to get in but it just I think if I had watched it when I was very young maybe I'd have enjoyed it a lot more but like there's not enough Michelle Pfeiffer there's not enough like shape shifting I don't know why um, did they turn into a hawk and a wolf? Why was that a thing? What happened to they, them? Because the they bishop were... loves her and he cursed them. Because oh, okay. he didn't love them back. Okay. Fair. And they have to break yeah. the curse by revealing themselves, confronting him. I'm just, I'm just happy I didn't make Emer watch that one of the evenings when I got home from work for two hours because I'd be single right now. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's a great review. <laughs> So let's let's try this from another angle then. Alternative medieval fantasy movies to watch. Excalibur. Excalibur. That came up on my search this week because I was googling Lady Hawk a bit, and I haven't seen that. Have you seen Excalibur, Brian? I mean, I, I was way too young when I saw Excalibur. Was well, that the Oliver Stone one? John Borman. All right, I thought it was with the really shiny metal suits. He of followed armor. up Deliverance. Yeah. Uh, followed I up deliverance with Excalibur. You have seen it. I'm I mean, pretty sure I'd, I have. I'd, I'd watch that for next week. I've never seen it. No, no, no. <laughs> watch it. I I'm deciding what we get to watch for next week. I'm deciding what we get to watch for next week because I've not decided that we watch anything yet. Oh, this is the 20th episode. It is. Let, let's. That's let's, great news. <laughs> let's finish this out for just a moment. Um, alternative medieval fantasy. Excalibur. Willow, Dragonheart, Drag, Dragon, dra- Dragonheart, I guess. <laughs> um, Highlander, Princess Bride, um, In the Name of the Rose. Have you guys seen In the Name of the Rose? 
He yes. sounds familiar. Uh, Sean Connery, Christian Slater, uh, medieval Sherlock Holmes thing. Um, a murder in a monastery. It's good. Um, anything else you can think of that sort of fits that vein? Like I was thinking about Conan the Barbarian, Gilliam's aesthetic. You know, le- le- legend. Legend is a weird one because I, I, in theory, I love the look of that film, but I've never, I never get through that film without falling asleep at some chunk of it. I don't know if it's just the dreamy nature of it, but like they showed it in the IFI. No, they showed it in the Lighthouse Cinema a few years back, and I went, you know what? I'm going to get through it this time. I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to go to the Lighthouse Cinema, and I'm going to watch Legend. I'm going to sit in a dark room to watch a movie that makes me sleep. <laughs> Ten o'clock at anyway. night. <laughs> it was a late screening. I fell asleep. I invited people to go and see it. I sold it to people, and then I fell asleep. Good that dream was piece. Tim Curry, wasn't it? Ridley Scott. It is Ridley Scott. Tim Curry, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about le- Legend, right? Mm. But Tom t- Cruise. Yeah, Tim Curry is the devil. Yeah, Tim Curry. That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, Tim Curry is the devil. Yeah, Ridley Scott directed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's our that's our review of Lady Hawk. I mean, at the end, Rutger Hauer is holding her up and spinning in circles in the church, and she's yelling, "I love you!" And it's like, I don't know. I haven't seen you two together on screen at all. I don't buy any of this. Maybe if I'd seen it if I was young. I thought I thought he he she was falling in love with. I thought she was falling in love with Matthew Broderick. Was a little bit of that, wasn't there? Also, also to be honest, he gave Rutger gave his name is Rutger, is it? Am I saying this wrong all the time? No. Okay, Rutger, he gave Matthew a weird kiss on the cheek. It's like, it's like he didn't. He just he just pressed his lips against the side of his head, and then she kisses him on the cheek, and it's just like there was a that was probably weird for those to, to that was probably a weird way to film that scene, and then Michelle Pfeiffer kind of made it less weird by giving Matthew a normal kiss on the cheek, but go back and watch it. He gives him a weird kiss. Just kiss him. Just kiss the man. For fuck's sake. Kiss him. Go kiss boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I thought it was nice that he was going to give him a little kiss. But, like, he just didn't. He just pressed his lips. He pressed the side of his face off the side of his face. It's like, what's wrong with you, man? Just kiss him. So, when you watch Excalibur, <laughs> keep in mind that I was still in primary school when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, I know. I know. There's a scene in it. What What's a movie you saw that when you were way too young? Excalibur's one. <laughs> Terminator. First time I saw someone dying with their eyes open. How old were you when you saw Terminator? Early primary school years. What age is that? I remember seven? like kind of watching it. Yeah, maybe seven or eight. I don't know. Uh, then I remember watching it, and a woman gets killed, and. She falls in front of the camera. It's uh, at start the movie. She has like black curly hair and a purple dressing gown, and she falls dead in front of the camera. And her eyes are open. And it was the first. I was like the first time. I was like, oh my god, you can die with your eyes open, and it terrified me. My parents were pretty strict, so there's not a lot that I saw that I wasn't supposed to see. So my dad went to the video store and came back with Barbarella for me one time. Nice. That explains a lot. It does explain a lot. It is weird. It is a weird. Oh, like I, it is weird. I watched like the Predator movies in primary school, Terminator movies in primary school, RoboCop. Like I, I remember. Yeah, I watched a lot of movies that I probably was far too young to watch, but hasn't damaged hasn't damaged me at all. 
Uh, I mean, Jurassic Park was what year? 92-ish? 93? I would have been 8, I guess. 93. Um, Batman Returns, 92. When Michelle Pfeiffer got pushed off a building and chewed up by cats. Danny DeVito grabs a woman's boob and then bites a guy's nose off. That's my move to this day. Cats, cats at her face. What happened, Kev? Cats at her face. No, but like, what actually happened? Cats at her face. Aiden knows more about it. Ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden, what happened to her? <laughs> I don't know. Cats at her face. Kev's got more than I do. <laughs> Excellent. That is... That, that's... Malcolm in the Middle is the funniest fucking show. The best scenes, man. It was so good. Cats at her face. <laughs> I know, that's the way you know more about it. Anyways, yeah, so there you go. Lady Hawk, would you watch it again? No. No, I, I wouldn't. Like, I I was trying to get into it because, like, I like Rutger Hauer. I like Matthew Broderick. I like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Brian. Um, and we'd like Brian. Who suggested it? Brian suggested it? No. Nope. I suggested it. Brian nope. had seen it. I suggested it because of the, the Richard Donner of it all. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. I like it, but I know it's not great. But that's fine. No, I'm not, like, not going to defend is, it or anything. But I know for a fact, if I watched that movie when I was a kid, like if I watched, if I saw that movie when I was like seven, eight, nine, whatever, I, I probably would have fucking loved it. It would have been brilliant. It would have had adventure with Matthew running around and all that kind of stuff. Whatever, Rooker, who was like kind of like the stoic kind of, you know, foreboding anti-hero type of thing. And then like Lady Hawk, who was Michelle Pfeiffer, who was kind of badass. It's probably like one of the first lady. times I saw her as well. It was yeah, it was love at first like, sight. Well, when, I think when, you, when I think do you think you, you saw that? Because you would have seen Batman Returns, right? I don't think I'd seen Batman Returns yet. I think I'd seen this first, and I saw Batman Returns when it came out on on tape. I went for my birthday, and my brother was five or something, and had to be taken out of the cinema. I guess the the, the well, those the, Batman movies were kind of creepy. There is a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer that I watched a couple of years back for the first time and was kind of baffled by what the fuck the thing was trying to do. And it's also 1985, uh, directed by John Landis, starring Michelle Pfeiffer and Jeff Goldblum. It's called Into the Night. Have either of you seen that? Don't think so. No. Ooh. Do I? No, I'm picking the next movie. I'm picking okay. the next movie. I'm picking I, the next thing. Can I put into the night on like the long list or something we come back to? Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that was uh, Brian. Kevin, Brian, he's, gold he's mistaken that for enthusiasm. No, he yes. I was gonna say I know. Uh, I know okay. that he's doing. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, 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 I have to watch uh, it. Um, I did. Uh, I did see the fly when I was very, very, very that young, fucked and me that up. was that yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, it was horrific. I didn't realize yeah. an arm could break when you were arm wrestling. I would just like to say thanks to my dad. There was only one movie he said we couldn't watch, and I was relatively older at the time. What was the movie? We we were warriors. We were warriors. The New Zealand movie. What was it about that that was off limits? He said I couldn't watch it. I've never watched it. Okay. I think um, it was the depiction of violence against women that made it a movie he didn't want to watch. I think David Bowie's in Into the Night. He's a feminist, not a racist. It's good to know. Yes, <laughs> this is the other Kev's dad, the other not a racist, <laughs> pro feminism. But uh, I can leave it for the crack. I don't mind. 
But uh, but yeah, I think it was something like that. I think it was something like that. And he just and like to be honest, because you gave us so much leeway when we were kids, and we watched everything. Honestly, like we watched everything, and we probably shouldn't have watched half of the stuff we watched. But when he said like, yeah, don't watch this. It's not. It's not like. It's not really nice. Something I can't remember what he said, but uh, I kind of just respected it. I was just like, yeah, fair. Like I'm not gonna betray his trust because he gives me so much fucking room to move. You know, it was just like, yeah. I think we should probably just decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, what if is out next week, isn't it? Uh, I think it's the 11th of August, so it's oh, the week okay. after. Let's see. Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. That's just it. We'll just, we'll just watch Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad, the which is in cinemas squad. now and streaming on HBO Max from the 6th of August. Brian, Brian you're fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Aiden? For now, no, not yet, not yet. Yeah. Okay. We'll probably have to get a third. Mm. Happy birthday to Brian and Aiden. Also, if you can hear this right now, you can be a Tom Brady. You can. You can. You can do anything. Yes, you're alive. If you can hear this podcast right now, you're alive. You're a real person. This is episode twenty. Go get yourself a pizza. Or you're in a coma, and this is us trying to reach you. Wake up. If you're listening, you're in a coma. Wake up. Wake up. We want you to come yeah. back to us. We're trying to reach yeah. you. Come yeah. back. Yeah. But you are alive. But you. you're also asleep. You can be alive while asleep. You're, yeah. Yeah. Most people are alive while they're asleep, actually. Most people. I don't Most know if you guys know that. Do you know that? No. Yeah. Well, you can't wake up dead.